Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. Uh, breaking news for the past three days, things really uh, shaking up in the world of professional golf, and uh, it's my pleasure to spend a couple of minutes with the co-host of Golf Today on the Golf Channel, Damon Hack, to break down all that is happening around the LIV Golf Invitational Series and the latest defections from the PGA Tour. Hi, Damon. Holly G, good to spend time with you. And yeah, it's been a turbulent year, I would say, really, as what began as rumor is now starting to get some teeth. And we're seeing some notable PGA Tour players, major champions like Dustin Johnson, a former world number one, you know, say he's resigning his PGA Tour membership and you know Kevin now well-known player Phil Mickelson now arrived in London uh, don't know his PJ tour status but he's playing in this live golf event so yeah it's been no shortage of news and now Bryson DeChambeau saying he's going to play in the first live event in the United States at Pumpkin Ridge outside of Portland so it's really been a turbulent time well I've been covering this pretty extensively the past few months uh, but to my listeners who you know may not be up to speed, uh, the LIV is this alternative golf format backed by Saudi Arabia, massive amounts of money, uh, big names, different format, Damon, no cuts, shotguns, 54 holes, individual and team event. However, is, is this a structure to supercharge the game of golf, as they said at the press conference yesterday, making it more fun for fans and golfers. I mean, as you pointed out, it's not like teeing it up uh, like we watched this year, the Players' Championship, when you get to the 17th green. I mean, what is yeah. pressure and what is competition? Yeah, this is about a money grab, I think, at the end of the day. And the players can say, oh, we want to grow the game and – how neat this format is, but it doesn't have the competitive level that the PGA Tour has. It doesn't have the historical competitive, you know, nature of the PGA Tour in terms of the schedule, the golf courses, the quality of competition, and it is being backed by uh, a nefarious uh, enterprise in, in the Saudi regime, which, you know, they say they want to grow the game, but they're really – in, in some you know, people's mind is they're trying to kind of sports wash their image by taking our eye off of some of the human rights abuses and trying to, uh, and what they've been able to do is lure a lot of big-time golfers kind of at the very beginning or very end of their careers where they don't think they have the competitive chops to compete for majors maybe anymore, a last-chance great payout uh, for their pocketbooks. BJ saying that this is about what's best for him and his family. I don't think it's necessarily that good for his legacy. And I think some of the players are acting and feigning ignorance about where this money is coming from. So you have this kind of push-pull of players like Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, saying, I'm all about making PGA Tour history. And then you have this group of players, Sergio, Poulter, G-Mac, DJ, Bryson, Phil, who are saying, you know what, I want to give this live enterprise a shot, and I think it's going to be something different, but at the end of the day, it's about guaranteed money and fattening their pocketbooks over fattening their legacies. 
And let's let's be clear about this. You know, uh, the Saudis, their human rights atrocities are extensive and across the board. Uh, women oppressed in Saudi Arabia, the migrants groups, the LBGTQ individuals who are criminalized. 81 men ex- executed in March and 24,000 bombed in Yemen, Damon. Um, you know, the, these guys are saying we're golfers, we're not politicians, but in the same breath, GMAC said being role models for kids and trying to use this game as a force of good. I say, really? Yeah, I, I say really also considering the remarkable charitable arm of the PGA Tour and what it does in every city that it goes to uh, versus the human rights record of a regime that has been brutal to, to homosexuals and women and to journalists who disagree uh, with their methods. It's been frightening. Even, you know, Phil Mickelson used the term scary MFers in describing the regime that he's going to play for. So some of the players are going in with their eyes wide open. Some will feign ignorance. And Taylor Gooch, a PJ True winner, saying, I'm not that smart. I don't know what's going on. So deciding to kind of shut his eyes and, and, and play, you know, dumb. Whereas Phil Mickelson has acknowledged that the human rights record of this outfit is poor. But, uh, you know, notwithstanding holding his nose, and going to collect that cash nonetheless. Well, when you bring in Ari Fleischer, Damon, the former White House press secretary for George W. Bush, to moderate the press conference, uh, I think that speaks to the level of, you know, the background in the background. Yeah, that's a great point, Holly G. I think they're trying to dress this up and make it look as legitimate as possible you get a savvy pr guy like ari fleischer who's been in some hot button situations you know involving national security and and different things involving the political and geopolitical realm and you put them uh, in this new golf league and, and it kind of gives it the the veneer of legitimacy but i tell you what you know like the old saying goes follow the money and there's a lot of money right now that is being thrown around at these players. And some are deciding that it's worth it to be, you know, potential stooges for this regime and their good name uh, and their PGA Tour legacy be damned. Well, they have been told by Greg Norman and whoever the the team is behind LIB that, oh, don't worry, you'll be able to play in the majors. And yesterday you uh, did an interview with Mike Wan. He came out announcing that the uh, they will be able to play. The, the players that participate in the LIV tournament will be able to compete in the U.S. Open. Wan's position was, you know, the criteria has been set. We know the British right. Open is also a similar uh, set of criteria. But then you look to the PGA Championship and ultimately the Masters, Damon. I, I think Seth Waz made it pretty clear. He's very much behind the current, as he called it, ecosystem uh, in professional golf. Seemed to be seems to be very aligned with the PGA Tour, and and certainly it seems Fred Ridley has echoed similar sentiments. What do you think? Yeah, I think that Mike Wan, uh, and he was pretty clear that he doesn't really like 
this idea of this rival league, but at the same time, it was a little late in the game to change the criteria for an open championship and, and to somehow boot out players that are already exempt, even if they are going to a rival league. And he said that just because we let them play does not mean we endorse this rival league or endorse any statements by said players competing for this live golf enterprise. I asked them, though, don't you retain the right to, to change that rule in 2023? He said, absolutely, we do. We have no idea what this enterprise will look like four weeks from now, four months from now, or next year. So I got the sense that the, uh, the uh, former commissioner of the LPGA, the CEO of the USGA, Mike Wan, uh, is going to take a hard look at this after the U.S. Open. I imagine Martin Slummers, the RNA, will do the same. But this probably gets kicked down the road a little bit to the uh, folks at Augusta National and Fred Ridley, who may end up being that kind of ultimate stopgap and, and may be the ultimate arbiter on how where the major championships and the stakeholders of the game, how they act going forward in 2023 and beyond. I felt that Mike Wan was basically saying it's probably too late to do something now. It does not mean that we can't address this in the future should that be the determination of the USGA. I've been looking a little bit at some of the fans' reaction, and uh, I don't know your take, but, um, and again, we know this is a chance, especially in social media, when the haters can get on the bandwagon on either side. But it seems like a lot of the fans are, are pro-LIV golf and saying, you know, the, the PGA Tour has gotten boring and, you know, all, all kinds of different comments. Uh, what have you seen? Yeah, I've heard a little bit of that. I've heard a little bit also, though, the players should be honest and don't say that it's about growing the game or that you're looking forward to playing in a 54-hole shotgun start. You know, be honest about it. This is about your lack of competitive ability and knowing that maybe this is the last great payout that you may have in your career. So there may be a little bit of the sentiment of, yeah, we need something new. But I tell you what, at the end of the day, what do fans want to see? They want to see great competition. They want to see Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady. You know, they don't want to just see the third-string quarterback against the, the, the scout team quarterback. They want to see the best players in the world competing at the highest level on the game's grandest stages. So I think that Live Golf has a long way to go to be considered uh, a competitive high level on a grand stage. So I think it's one thing to say, hey, I, I wish the players would just be honest and say, you know what, this is about the pocketbook. Fattening the purse, getting one great last payout, knowing that maybe they've already made their career on the PGA Tour, and this is a quick easy way to some not-so-hard-earned cash. Probably doesn't bode well for the Champions Tour either, Damon, if, if we look out even further. Of course, these are the guys that are we could say are in the twilight of their career, a lot of them, right? I mean, even DJ, uh, 38 years old, he's, you know really hasn't been competitive in the last two years. I look at some of these younger players. You've got this uh, TK Chantanawat from uh, Thailand, who's, you know, this 15-year-old player. I kind of cringe seeing a 15-year-old going into this event. 
We had a U.S. amateur champ who was at the beginning of his career in James Pyatt from Michigan State. I think that the power of money, it's undefeated. But for some of these players, and DJ, you mentioned his age, he would have been potentially a Ryder Cup stalwart still for a couple of more years, not to mention losing out on a President's Cup in North Carolina as a son of South Carolina, a potential Ryder Cup captaincy down the road. So the players who go are jeopardizing, as you mentioned, PGA Tour champions or Ryder Cup eligibility, President's Cup eligibility. A big part of their competitive lives, they are basically cutting that out and saying, uh, the money is too good to pass up. I'm acknowledging that I will lose a lot of feathers that would have been available to me had I stayed the course and competed on the greatest tour and most competitive tour on the planet. Speaking of uh, being authentic, so Phil uh, gave a press conference earlier. He said, I don't want to give up my PGA Tour membership, and I don't believe I should have to. How, how does Phil find his way back to the PGA Tour? And do you think that's an honest statement? Yeah, I think the way Phil's going to find his way back and the way a lot of players may who don't resign PGA Tour membership is going to be through a courtroom. I just feel like in some ways this could be headed toward litigation. How it looks, I don't know. But especially once this live golf outfit gets to the United States and is competing opposite PGA Tour events on U.S. soil, and I'm thinking about this live golf event at Pumpkin Ridge, that's when you're going to start to wonder, is this going to be headed towards some sort of litigation? Uh, will, will the courts decide it's a restriction of trade to prohibit players who are PGA Tour members from competing in this rival outfit. Tough questions to answer, but it feels like we may be heading in that direction. And I believe we're going to be hearing more news of, of uh, defectors, if you will, Damon. Um, rumors about Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler. The plot thickens, as they say. Oh, it really does. How jealous will the players competing on the PGA Tour be of the players who are getting handouts and easy money for less work, a lighter schedule, eight tournaments, uh, a kind of lighthearted team atmosphere, uh, and all of that money without having to sp- you know, spend weeks on the road, months away from your family. Uh, it, it's going to seem like easy money. And, and what will the jealousy level be of players who are saying, wait, I'm better than that player on live. I'm better than that player on live. Why is he getting more money to do less work than me? So I think the uh, factor is going to be something we have to weigh and watch as well. Well, as you said, it's a question of, of the traditions of the game, legacies in the game, history versus the big money, Damon. We can certainly say that professional golf is is changing before our eyes, and we, we will see how this unfolds. Uh, before I let you go, there is a significant tournament going on this week, and it's back after three years, the RBC Canadian Open at St. George's Golf and Country Club outside Toronto. And for those who may not remember, in 2019, Rory McIlroy was the champion. Oh, this is a great tournament. It first started in 1904. 
Arnold Palmer has won it, Lee Trevino three times, Tiger, VJ, Jim Furyk, a lot of big-time names, Tom Weisskopf, and as you mentioned, Rory with that final round, 61 back in 2019. And to hear the, the likes of Rory and Justin Thomas and Scotty Scheffler, they're happy to be in Canada this week supporting the PGA Tour, supporting a longtime PGA Tour sponsor in RBC and competing in front of the great fans of Canada who have missed this great tournament the last couple of years. Well, it was also announced that Tiger Woods will not play in the U.S. Open. I'm not sure this came as a surprise to many of us, Damon, but what's, uh, what's the update on Tiger? Yeah, there's been a lot of unfolding news that has surprised me in the last couple of weeks, but Tiger saying uh, no can do to Brookline is not one of them. Just a quick turnaround from Southern Hills where he was clearly in pain. Uh, that was part of this equation, plus his love of the old course of St. Andrews, where he won in 2000 and 2005, two of his three claret jugs, didn't want to do anything to potentially jeopardize his appearance at a venue which he calls his favorite in the game, where he won two claret jugs by a combined 13 shots back in 2000 over Ernie Ellis by eight and, and, and Thomas Bjorn by eight and then by five against Colin Montgomery in 2005. So uh, a much flatter easier walk than Augusta or Southern Hills or Brookline for that matter. I think we'll see Tiger in July, uh, but I'm not surprised he decided to take this U.S. Open off, continue to rest and rehab his body and put it in as good a possibility, as strong a state as he can for July and the 150th Open at the old course of St. Andrews. And as we turn to the Open U.S. Open Championship next week at Brookline. I, I got to believe that one of your top picks is Justin Thomas. And if you want to talk about role models and good vibes for the future of, of golf, this guy is, is old school, deep in the roots of the game, another old soul in a young player uh, like Rory McIlroy. And it's, those guys are going to carry the torch. Yeah, Justin Thomas just wants to win golf tournaments. He wants to hold himself to a standard of play that is very old school, where it's not about the size of the purse. It's about finding a way to big trophies. This is someone whose last four wins since January of 2020 are Century Tournament of Champions on Maui. He's also won a WGC in Memphis. He's won the Players and now his second PGA, his second Wanamaker Trophy. He is a true big game hunter, a true old soul among these 20-something studs in the game, and someone who I think unlocked something special on that Saturday night when his caddy, Bones Bakai, gave him a talking to seven shots back saying, you're playing great golf. Stop being so darn hard on yourself. You're playing fine. And sure enough, Patience won the day on that final round Sunday, and I think that he's going to continue to have a big-time season here in 2022. And that's the good stuff, Damon, we should be talking about. As always, Damon, okay. had pleasure to have you, and thanks for your thoughts today. Holly, it's always great to spend some time with you. Enjoy the national championship next week. Look forward to chatting again soon. All right. Thank you, my friend.